I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We might just be in France, but this is global. These players are icons, their stories are noble. In fact, each story into the game is golden. It's way more than just a game. It's a player's story into the pitch and all that she overcame. It's football 2019 and this is its brand new face. Football Inside Out by Copper 90. Yo, 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 what's up? My name is Monkey. And I'm Heath. And this is Football Inside Out, a podcast from Copa 90. We are coming to you every day from a little bunker in Paris. Come down, it's a clubhouse as well, not just a bunker. Bringing you all the excitement from the 2019 Women's World Cup in France. And here's what we have for you today. We hear from England defender Abby McManus. The man in the know, Ellie Menjum, is bringing you everything you really need to know about USA and Sweden. But first of all, we've got a little recap from last night's games. Football Inside Out by Copper90. Number one of the five things you need to know going into your day. Scotland are going home. 3-0 up. Oh, they threw it away. Yeah. They threw it away. We, we do need to point out before we get into some of the controversies of that match that they were up 3-0. Yes. And they blew it. So yes. as much as you can blame circumstance, you also have to blame Management. Yeah. Management of the game. Up until the very last minute of the game, they were up as well. Yeah. We had um, a football football's coming home at the end of that game, but it kind of felt sad watching Scotland go out of the tournament. And you'll hear us later in the podcast talk about Scotland and how they could potentially go through, but obviously now we know that they didn't. Yeah, It was very close. Yeah, we, I mean, we were optimistic, but we got caught up in the moment talking about the next day before it happened. I was and extremely optimistic. And then when they went 3-0 up, I was even more optimistic, but that didn't happen. Uh, number two, penalty palaver. What's palaver mean? But I, oh yeah, like US audience, palaver is just like, oh, it's a bit of a problem. Cool. A bit of a problem. It's more than a problem. VAR at the moment is more than a problem. It's a disgrace. It is. Look, letter of the law is a scary thing to play, right? And there's been so much that's made football beautiful, which is a referee's ability to take time and place and interpret and pay attention and take a little bit of accountability for their actions, right? But now, letter of the law is changing the game forever. And I'm not saying it's the wrong thing to do, but I'm saying why implement it now when it's it's actually changing li- it's 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 affecting lives. The game, yeah, yeah my life and <laughs> and the people that have to go home now. Because this podcast is about us, yeah. After all, plus her foot was on the line. First of all, her foot was on the line. And a goalkeeper's perspective: this is Manchester United's goalkeeper. Goalkeeper, she said, from a goalkeeper's perspective, you're trying to read the player's movement, body shape, and run up. But if you can't 
reacts until after they've kicked it, you're never going to be able to move in time. Imagine in 25 years when we're old and 25 years. <laughs> Imagine in 50 years when we're old and it's like, well, the keeper has to close their eyes until the shot is taken and the ref watches in VAR and we all watch from around the world. You have to close your eyes and if you open them before they shoot, you get to do it again. This number, is where we're going. Number this three. is where we're going. England handled business against Japan. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, England handled that comfortably. I was really happy with that and I'm ready for the for the next uh, knockout stages. Uh, number four. Defo through. Who's defo through? England, France, Spain, Italy, Japan anyway, Norway, Australia, and Germany. Wow. I'm excited. Those are the teams that you want to go through to create some exciting matchups. Yeah, and the, the, the match that's already sorted is Norway-Australia, which is actually a big, big game. Yeah. Of all those teams, who's the team that you're most excited to see? England. England. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on the Cinderella-Italy run right now. Actually, Italy run. they've been good. Yeah. They created the first upset, right? But that group, that's by far the best group is what I'm trying to get to. Yeah, it was a hard group. It was yeah. a hard group. Uh, number five, going into today, we have, uh, oh man, this is sad. The last day of the group stages. I know, yeah, group uh, stages are over. Cameroon, New Zealand, Netherlands, Canada, Sweden, USA, and Thailand, Chile. Still quite a few teams. Uh, oh, I guess just Chile's trying to get through. Um, New Zealand could technically still get through, no? And Cameroon. Cameroon could, could still New Zealand through. still technically go through? Yes, yeah. they could. The nod of approval. A lot to play for. Now we're going to get into the rest of the show. Here's Ellie with the inside score. This is what you really need to know about USA. Copper 90. It's not just the giants of their group, but it's the giants of the tournament, USA. Despite the rise in the standard of the female game globally, from Minos benefiting from a boost in funding and support to fellow powerhouses becoming even more established institutions in their game, the United States women's team head to France as they have done for almost every tournament since the inception of the Women's World Cup all the way back in 1991. Odds on favourite to win the competition. And that's simply because there is still no other squad that can offer the depth and variety as the US women can on every corner of the pitch and in every age and experience bracket. Whether it's the backline led by the warhorse like Lindsay Horan, the first American player to ever sign a professional contract straight out of high school, on the wing, either wing for that matter, where they boast Megan Rapinoe or Tobin Heath, two of the most dynamic and creative players in the game, or up front, where if it's not Alex Morgan, arguably the most potent striker on earth, or golden girl Carly Lloyd, then it's the new face of the US women's national team, Mallory Pugh, who already boasting 50 caps at the age of 20, has been described as a once in a generation talent. Put simply, the US can match every team in nearly every position, not least of course on the bench, where 2015 Women's Coach of the Year Jill Ellis is now into her highly successful, even by US standards, fifth year as head coach, offering a rare combination of brilliant tactical know-how with the even more important ability to handle a squad bursting with superstars who far outweigh the number of spots available on the pitch. The only real doubt is in goals, where the untested Alyssa Neher replaces the USA's longtime goalkeeper Hope Solo, winner of two Olympic golds, a World Cup, and a record 102 international clean sheets, who will be absent from the tournament for the first time since 2003. Whilst the pressure will undoubtedly be on Neher to follow such a legacy, the key for every other team aiming to win the trophy will still be in the manner of Japan 2011, trying to avoid the USA until the final. However, even then, it would take something special to get past this side that in all honesty, looks better than the one that won it in 2015 and doesn't just have the talent, but the experience in lifting the most important tournament in the women's game. Inside, Inside score. score. 
whilst more investment, time and resources are being implemented in pursuit of Women's World Cup glory by football federations worldwide, on and off the pitch, there is still no one who takes the World Cup as seriously as those in the US soccer setup. Despite the National League still being in session, the national team players were taken out and caught into camp an entire month before the tournament just to ensure team cohesion was perfected for the summer. And then their sponsors Nike, who have sent off the team in arguably bigger fashion than any team they did for the Men's World Cup last year. With the girls taking on a whirlwind media tour around the states, followed by an incredible billboard campaign that has seen the team's biggest stars blown up on 20 feet billboards around New York City and LA alongside the message, dream with us. But despite US soccer making sure no corners are cut in the pursuit of lifting the trophy for a record extending fourth time, the Federation's failure to treat the actual players who provide said glory properly has marred some of the build-up to the tournament. The issue was brought to a head during this year's Women's International Day, where the entire squad filed a class action lawsuit against the Federation, alleging gender discrimination and calling for equal pay with the men's national team. While some claim the issue was more complex than it seemed, the fact of the matter was, the women's team over the past decade had become more watched, more profitable and more successful than their male counterparts, who didn't even qualify for their respective World Cup last year. Yet in 2015 alone, the men's team were paid nearly four times as much in salary and bonuses, despite the women producing 20 million more dollars in revenue that year. As goalkeeper Hope Solo put it, the men get paid more just to show up than we get paid to win major championships. Whilst the fight continues in the courtrooms, the players, always the consummate professionals, have no doubt put it to one side ahead of their first game against Thailand. And with the exception of a difficult final, where we always know anything can happen, it's hard to see a US side this talented not retaining the trophy. But regardless of whether they lift the World Cup or not, this is a group of footballers who know their worth, not just on the pitch, but off it, and will only use their success as a platform to further call for their right to parity. With major sponsors like Nike showing their support with actions, not just words, the US Soccer Federation is gonna have to realize that as well as valuing the World Cup, they're also gonna have to start valuing the squad who bring it home so continuously. USA, USA. I, I have to admit that that's one of my, and it's, it's not a disrespect to the American Outlaws or anybody, but it, it was, when I was playing with the national team, one of my least favorite chants was USA. Why? It just like USA became this broy chant that you started to see like post 9/11 as like the patriotic thing that people would say as a low hanging fruit to like when you'd see something really bad happening, whether it's like in the Middle East or or on TV, it, it became this low hanging fruit of chanting like USA USA or like somebody saying like America yeah as like a thing and it, and it just had this negative connotation to me that I could never get out of my head of like people sort of using this chant as like this bro-y, like faux patriotic thing on the low hanging fruit that exists. You know? Yeah, I've seen it being chanted in some pretty weird scenarios. Like if someone wins flip cup. Yeah, there you go. Like, what? Like, <laughs> I don't understand. I mean, cool. Yeah. You guys vibe it out, but I don't understand what's going on. Well, you guys invented <laughs> enough in your country. We invented flip cup. I do so, enjoy a game you know. of flip cup. Do you? Yeah, I only got taught it about a year ago. Yeah. Which aligns with going out with my other half who's American, so that makes sense. I was going to say, I was going to ask you based on what uh, they called Mallory Pugh, a once in a lifetime talent, mm. if perhaps you were named that in any sort of drinking capacity you know? <laughs> <laughs> like you wake up in the morning and somebody goes you're a once in a lifetime talent and you're like oh no what did i do oh, the, the night before the like, fear. Not, like the fear 
Yeah. That's what it's called, the, the fear. Yeah. Do, have I ever got the fear? No, no. Like, uh, like, has anybody, like, I was thinking that perhaps the only time somebody said I'm a once in a lifetime talent was a, was a night that I was like way, way too drunk and was like funny drunk what did you or do? something. I don't know. I don't think anybody actually ever called me that. I just think that's the closest thing that I could do to becoming a once in a lifetime talent at something would be like a a rare bender of a night that people go like, you were in rare form last night. (laughs) I've I've never been called a once in a lifetime talent, unfortunately. I think you are. Thanks. You too. (laughs) (laughs) We're basically here just to pat each other on the back. Is somebody going to play the background music for that? That was a great little compliment (laughs) we had there. (laughs) A little violin. Do the the US team have um, a date to resolve that? the whole court case i'm not sure um i haven't i haven't finished my law degree um to be able to speak (laughs) like i'm not am i under oath here like no i don't know i'm not sure when the thing ends to be honest i i think it's an it's an open case the other thing that i found interesting though about this world cup is the brand wars that are happening so obviously a lot of money is being pumped in from all of the apparel sponsors yeah. for bonuses and things like that. And a lot of them are performance-based contingencies, right? Oh, sorry. Um, oh, you just <laughs> punched me in the face. Uh, <laughs> you don't need a video podcast. People about? just heard you hit me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like just sort of like the way that brands are rallying for their teams to get into a final is a really interesting thing. And the contingencies around bonuses of just knowing that outside of the actual World Cup, there is another World Cup of brands happening for like exposure, which is bizarre. We met the, we met some people from Luna Bar, didn't we? Yeah. They were here at the clubhouse maybe a week ago, a week ago or so. Mm -hmm. Um, and they gave the women's national team like a big sponsorship just out of like the goodness of their heart. It seems. I think it's if they win. Oh really? Really? Or reach the final. Well, can somebody fact check that? Fact check that because I was under the impression that it wasn't it wasn't a sponsorship. Uh-huh. It was a bonus? essentially like a bonus donation okay. if they I'm not sure, but either way, it's really really what what I really liked about it is that Luna is a brand that it's a Cliff Bar company. I was going to say explain it for like a UK audience because we don't know what Do you guys have Cliff Bar? Uh I've heard of Cliff Bar, but I'm not sure everyone might. Uh so Cliff Bar would be like a a sort of like it's obviously evolved now, but it was like the first generation of performance energy bars mm-hmm. that had like oats and nuts in them, and they were like relatively healthy for sort of trekkers and and outdoors people and endurance people and anybody sort of into that on the go lifestyle where you need food or or healthy snacks on the go. They've now evolved into Luna Bar, and again, this is just me speaking from what I know. Luna Bar is a female specific bar that was launched by the Luna Bar Company. It's a company that's owned by a husband and a wife, they each own exactly half of the company. Um, Not half, but they each own, uh, what is left is owned equally between them. Mm -hmm. And then the last 20% is owned by employees only. So it's all owned and controlled internally. They're a really, really cool progressive brand, but they're not a big Nike or Adidas, right? Them coming onto the scene when they did was a a very unique and rare thing that you see where they were just like, we're doing this because it's the right thing to do. And I think that's, that's the thing that really caught my eye. And I think, I mean, they've obviously generated billions and billions of impressions since then. And it's been really great for the brand. But but for a brand to do that, they're a brand that could have hidden from the spotlight. They could have done what's right in their eyes. But for a brand that's not 
sort of, you see a lot of brands right now are being pressured into doing what's right. Yeah. Right. And they're doing it and they're doing it in a big way, but a lot of brands are feeling the pressure and they should be, but they're a brand that probably wouldn't have felt the pressure because they're not a huge brand. They're already a a female specific brand. They're already doing a lot for communities, but instead they, they did it because it's the, they felt it was the right thing to do. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. It was cool. It's cool. Like incentive. Hey, let's talk about Mallory Pugh. Yeah. She's cool, man. She is really cool. She's really, have you ever met her? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I've interviewed her a few times. Actually, I was going to ask if you've ever played football with her. She's never showed up at our... At the little... The little pickup matches. Yeah. yeah. A bunch of them have, but she hasn't. Um, she doesn't always... St- I don't think she's one of the people that stays in California. She's from Colorado. Yeah. She plays in D.C. And so she isn't around much unless they're doing... Because um, Nike had just has just launched their like a massive, massive like creative studio in Los Angeles. Yeah. So they were doing a lot of their pre-World Cup out of LA. So they were around a lot. And so I was, we saw them on, on a few occasions, but never at the pitch. I stopped by that tailgate on the way to the airport the other day. I saw that. Yeah. Was, was it crazy? or It was, was pretty it? crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it was quite early on, I think. And I think it got crazier. But it was cool. It was really cool. And there were a lot of little girls with Mallory Pugh on the back of uh, their shirts. Yeah. That's really cool when you yeah. see that. Because she's kind of like the next gen, next generation of players. I looked at um, her like Wikipedia page, whatever. And she was born in like 98. That's crazy. It's, you know, when you see players born in like 2000, you're like, what's going on? I remember I was at 84. And so when I was coming into uh, being a pro, people would be like, wow, 84, so young, <laughs> you know? And now I, once I got to like 28, 29, you started having like n- people in the 90s mm. being born or, or not being born, be- becoming <laughs> pros. Uh, and yeah. that was like a shock to me. It was just like 90. Like I, it, the career flies by so fast that you remember when you're the young person and now you're like an old older player and it's just weird to think that you never think that time is like going to keep like continuing i saw this um article today and it was like a video of of an old lady who swears by um exercising she's she used to be a sprinter i think and an athlete at school and she still runs track like at these special events she's 104 i saw that (laughs) see that deserves a horn. <laughs> oh, wow. That, that does deserve a horn. You told me to bring effects, so I bought them today. Yeah. Just the one. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. That was, a pro- that was the most appropriate of all the episodes yeah. that we have. A 104-year-old <laughs> woman. But, like, what she swears by exercise. That's pretty, yeah. like, that's not a, like, it's not like that's that clever of a... I mean, it's not a new thing, but, she's, but she basically says that, like, uh, she stopped for a long time because of her age, and she got a lot of back pain, obviously, because of her age, and the back pain has now recited receded receded recited receded receded um because she started running again very slowly mind but that's incredible yeah it's really cool I hope but I'm actually running, uh, actually not running i mean running not walking uh, yeah running she's running i mean it's a it's a it's a fast walk for us but the act of running means you have to have one foot so, off the ground yeah, at, she's running yeah that's yeah she's going for that's it. incredible so cool could they do like a elderly olympics that would be cool for people who still wanted to do it is there such thing i know there's um walking football for elderly people in the uk have you seen the disco football that they play right behind us at the pompidou center no it's disco football two teams and you have to be dancing the whole match that's ridiculous you haven't seen any oh you guys haven't seen any of these videos no they are unbelievable (laughs) yeah so you have to be you have to 
be moving at all times. You have to sort of be in a dance. So somebody would get the ball and you'll just see them start like dancing. Yeah. And you can't not dance. And then like by the time your foot gets by the ball, they'll kick it. But there's people on the pitch that are nowhere near the play that are doing like <laughs> just like gyros on the ground, like spinning, what? like breakdance moves. And it's just really, really, really funny. You, I mean, I'll show you guys the videos. But Does like, anyone score? I, I, I've only seen like people do clip, uh, yeah, post yeah. clips of it. I haven't actually seen it live myself. Uh, but there's like a little mini pitch that they put up over there. Right, guys. Team, team day out. Yeah. <laughs> disco football. They do like, um, they do, they've started doing fitness classes in London to, it's like boxing, fitness to jungle music. Okay. It's hilarious. Like drum, or like, or like drum and bass, but mainly like jungle. But they'll get like an MC to yeah. be the fitness person. So their fitness coach or whatever will also be like MCing during the, the whole hour. Fitness guru. Yeah, it's so uh, funny. What is jungle music? A jungle music is um, music that's about 80 or 160 BPM. And it's a UK genre um, that's similar to drum and bass would be like a a more widely known genre would be drum and bass, but it's, yeah, it's like a UK subgenre of that. Cool. What's drum and bass? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't have to explain that. I, I think people can hear that in, in the name of it, yeah. right? They could probably. That's that basically. Yeah. Yeah. Did that come from Birmingham? Drum and bass? Yeah. No, I don't think so. I don't think it, I know jungle came from London, from like London, okay. Birmingham. No, maybe. I actually don't know that fact. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Throw hey, a random I'm gonna city. Check. I'm gonna attach check a random city to a type of music and you got a shot. You yeah. Know? Baseline came from Birmingham. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that's an interest sounds like an interesting class. We should start one of our own. Yeah. I could I could DJ, you could coach. How's that? <laughs> yeah. I, I've always <laughs> wanted to be a uh, an MC of uh, jungle music uh Dancing. class. Yeah. Uh, or we could do like jungle we could do like jungle football. Do you prefer group classes? I, not all the time, not all the time, but um, because sometimes I feel like I go too hard in a group class because I'm always trying to beat everyone. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, see the person next to me. I'm just like, you're going to get it. Like, they don't even know me. I don't know trying this to person. Push, push, kick their bike over yeah. while they're pedaling. Yeah, yeah. Like not competitive whatsoever. <laughs> There's no finish line here. Exactly. No, they do have, so like, you know, those uh, digital classes now where they have Peloton. Have you seen the Peloton bikes? You can, you, you're ranked in every class. Ah. Which is, I think, is a terrible thing for like people's self-esteem. Yeah. But I think it is for the people who are driven and want to see progress. There's all these other metrics that you can kind of improve on. Yeah. But there is like a percentage of of class worldwide. There could be like, mm-hmm. I don't know how many people could be in a class, but um, you can rank in the class of your performances. At the gym that um, I go to, so if you do like a rig class, which is basically, it looks a bit like the area looks a bit like CrossFit, but it's not. There's a big screen on the wall and on that you can hook up your heart rate monitor uh, and you're basically uh, having a competition with everybody else in your class, which looks really cool. But at the same time, I'm like, everybody's going to get smoked. And then I get injured. So this, this is, this is actually a a good conversation of sports science again, of like it, how much sports science has evolved in terms of like the differences between people's max heart rate, minimum resting heart rate mm. and all the measurements in between that create baselines differently. They used to measure all the baselines the same of like an average. Right. So like performance wise, like your heart rate would be measured the same as mine. And now like sports sciences has allowed it to be much more specific. Yeah. Right. Yeah. As a range. So yeah. you can create your own dif- different performance metrics. Yeah. I took one of those like VO2 max 
like uh, tests when you put the mask on. That's really claustrophobic for me. Is it? Yeah, Those I, masks are pretty like tight. Yeah. I had like a on the treadmill one. Where yeah, you're on the, the treadmill. Tre- yeah. yeah. I did that. I did that twice. Once was okay, and once I like had a panic attack. Really? Yeah. I'm not that claustrophobic, but it, once it got into my mind, you because get you're getting less and less oxygen. Yeah. And you start to restrict it more and more. That it just like scared me and you're attached and you're running and there's like cords coming and it's yeah, all that yeah. stuff. It's like uh, coming out of your like face. It just freaked me out. It is a bit like uh, sci-fi vibes. I basically, what I walked away knowing from that test was that my VO2 max was re- like really good. But uh, my friend who was doing the test said I should walk more. Why? Because uh, my VO2 max when I'm not going at like 100% could be better basically. Yeah. But can you build your VO2? Yes, apparently. Interesting. But no, so I just started going for long walks. Haven't done the test since, but I'm going to do it again. That's awesome. Yeah, it was cool to do. Cool to learn about your body. Um, we have a package from a USA player. Would you like to hear it? No, a no, USA no, player? No, we don't. No, we don't. No. That's a complete lie. <laughs> so I was just teasing you. Maybe, oh, maybe another day. I was so excited. Day. I was like, maybe another Hughes day. joined us. Oh, I'm so happy. Uh, no, we're going to hear from Abby McManus. And here she is. Inside out by the women's game currently is definitely really high up there in the media. Everyone's talking about it, especially with the road to France and obviously the announcement today and stuff. It's it's just getting bigger and better, and it's obviously it's it's great to have the young the young girls who are inspiring to be there one day. And they have such better facilities, they have such better coaches, and they have more of a a pathway into an actual career now and it's exciting to be a part of that and create somebody else's dream like some tweets and and media things that we get is incredible and just to see little girls faces when we literally sign the boot it's it's an incredible feeling and it's not something that we did when it's not something that I had when I was I was younger so it is nice to give back in that way and obviously the, the more they come and support us the more of them, them incredible feelings that we get obviously I'm ecstatic that I'm on, I'm on the plane for this World Cup um, my expectations for this tournament is to go out there, be the best team and hopefully bring the trophy home. We Obviously, everyone goes into a tournament and wants the trophy to come back on their own plane. And I think with the She Believes tournament that we've just completed and some of the fixtures we've currently had and the friendlies, I think this group can go all the way. And I wouldn't sit here and pretend that, no, we're going just to take part. Like It's not that. We, we do want the trophy. And... Hopefully I'll have England written on the end of it. I'm guessing you've all heard the story of my first ever call up and Tony Duggan decided to give me a prank call and we didn't speak for a good week or two. <laughs> we wasn't very good friends, but my first ever real call up off the real Phil Neville was I was walking around Asda in Berry, and it's funny that me and Phil have the joke because we're both actually from the same area from Berry. so he knew exactly where I was and he was like, that's aisle 20 with the eggs, like kind of like a little bit of a joke. So yeah, I was in Asda buying eggs. <laughs> Football does run deep in my family, um, from my dad, my granddad, uh, my brother, even now my nephew. Um, my claim to fame is the fact that my uncle Bobby was George's best, best man at his wedding. And he used to play for City back in the day. Um, so yeah, it does definitely run deep in the family. My brother plays, he played for Crewe, he's played for Halifax, he's played for, for Salford, S United. So the stories from him and obviously what he's achieved, like he did make Wembley before me and scored an absolute worldie. So um, yeah, we do share our stories and, and it's good to compete, especially with your brother. <laughs> 
The best player I've played against is Lusamare for Leon. She is some talent. Uh, I actually call her the Aguero of the women's game. She's just small, quick, low centre of gravity and can rip you apart if she wants. <laughs> Football Inside Out by Copper 90. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So there you go. Abby McManus, not a US player. Very much an England player. She plays for Man City, obviously. What a cool connection to George Best. I know, yeah. Has. I would use that in every, like, f- within the first minutes of meeting somebody. Okay, go on. Then you have 10 seconds to get it in the conversation. Hi. Oh, hey. How you doing? I don't know if you knew this, but my <laughs> uncle was George <laughs> Best's uh, best man. Imagine just opening with that. <laughs> You'd be like, all right, dude, cool. Yeah. Knock, knock, who's there? Uh, my uncle standing next to George Best at his wedding. Knock, knock, who's there? George Best's man. George Best's man who? My uncle. That's who. <laughs> there you go. We yeah, nailed yeah. it. There so it go. turns out um, after a bit of uh, not much research, we just had to Google it, uh, Luna Bar donated it. Uh, to make up the difference, the pay gap difference. Between so, the US men's and women's team. Between the men's and the women's team, yeah. Cool. And that's amazing. They just donated. Right thing to do. And so they did it. They couldn't believe that in 2019 they're still having to do these types of things and, and they just, just went and did it. Gave the money. Come on, Luna. Which is what I complimented them on when they came into the office. And then a few days later somebody's like, Yeah, but it was contingent. And I think they were maybe confused with another brand because that was 100% a just donation with no strings attached. It didn't include any posts from players or any sort of player sponsorships or any sort of them needing to do things. And all the players have actually gone to social media praising them with no, like literally no strings attached. Like there was no like, I give you this, you give me that. That's really cool. Yeah. Big up Luna Bar. Might go buy one now. Eat it. Maybe we should just have them scattered around the table during the show. I mean, yeah. They're made for eating. Always up for snacks. Um, <laughs> They're made for eating. Yeah. I'm going to go buy one and eat it. Like, <laughs> like and save it. Like, set, like put it on the Maybe. shelf. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, hang on. Let, let's talk about USA Sweden because mm-hmm. they're a bit of a bogey team for the States, aren't they? It's a weird one, though, because whoever wins is on track to play France in the round of six, or in the quarterfinals. Ooh, and that's in Paris. I and think. that's in, yeah, that's in Paris. Come on. Yeah. 
Um, obviously, I'm. Who am I coming on? No one, like anyone, really. Although, you, like US France would be an amazing game, but but also. But don't you want that? Don't you want later. the favorites with the host, who are one of the favorites later on? Late, yeah, I, I, yeah, maybe I do want them later. But either way, as a person not supporting either country, for me, it's a bit of, bit of a win-win scenario. Right. Because it would be a great game, and it might make. England's path a bit easier if one of you go out. Do you think, I mean, this is a very hot US women's national team right it's now. Hot, it's hot, spicy. hot, yeah. Do you think Sweden can beat them? Um, I haven't been, I ha, I, Sweden have been about their business, but I haven't exactly been overly impressed. Like no. Chile was okay against, even Sweden had a bunch of shots, but like. Yeah, I mean, if I, had, if I had to put my money on anyone, it would be the US. Like, I know, because didn't Sweden beat, the US in a previous tournament not so long ago. Um, but I still think even if that's the case, that, I don't know, the US team is, are so strong. And when they played their game the other day, it was like a completely different squad. I looked at the lineup, I was like, this is a different squad. Your I bench think, is so deep. I think Sweden beat the US in the group stages of the last World Cup. Oh, right, okay. Um, and then the US went on a run to the final. I think it was, people forget that it was, they kind of like... Uh, scraped their way to the final and then and then won in magnificent fashion with mm. a goal from the half line and a hat trick. Um, but yeah, what about uh, what about Chile? Chile, Thailand. Thailand. Yeah, that'll be an interesting game, I think. I think Thailand will want to kind of prove a point against Chile because Sweden and the States are such a formidable force and after that sort of thrashing in the first game, um, they'll definitely want to come out fighting for their last. They have nothing to lose as well, so they might just go for it. Thailand? It was, yeah, it was nice to see them get a goal. Yeah, it was nice to see. I, I just don't see, like Chile at least. I don't least, see it. But. Yeah, Chile were at least, they can scrap, and they've got arguably the best goalkeeper in the tournament right now. Oh my God, go the goalkeeper is on, is on fire. Yeah, she's been incredible. But what's odd is sort of Chile are in the mix still of being able to on their very, very best day, could make the knockout round. Yeah, so, so go on, it's confusing, but explain. Yeah, I, I can't explain the whole thing, but... Uh, man, I'm just looking at where do I even start <laughs> with this. Uh, Chile are, are minus five goals, right? So let's look at their match in general. If they were to win by seven or eight, they'd have a really good shot, or six even. A good shot of... A good shot of going through. As a third placer. three points, yeah. yeah. And they're on minus five, which is, which is pretty... Interesting. And then Scotland, same thing. Scotland are minus two goal difference. Yeah. So if they win, they'll be minus one. And then they'll need Chile to not win by a bunch. And and Nigeria sort of waiting for everyone to play out their results to see if they get through. Yeah. So, so Scotland just need to win, relying on Chile don't win. But if Scotland win by a few, that does put them in quite a good position. Yeah. For Scotland, win by a few. For, for Chile, win by a lot and still need to hope for best. And then Argentina, same thing. Like they need to win. They just a, need to win, don't they? Or do they need to win? No, Argentina would go through by just winning yeah. because they've got one point. The other teams don't have a point. So it is all to fight for. Yeah. Quite literally. Um, okay. Here's an inside score from Ellie about Sweden. Having qualified for every previous World Cup and having gone on multiple deep runs into the tournament, including making the 1995 final, there was little surprise when the Swedish qualified automatically for France, topping their group ahead of Scandinavian rivals and Euro 2017 finalists, Denmark. 
and Sweden will once again be expected to go far in the tournament, boasting a strong spine of Chelsea players, Nilla Fischer, the captain of one of the world's most prestigious female clubs in Wolfsburg, and Montpellier star Sina Blackstenius, whose performances as a 21-year-old at Euro 2017 saw her steal all the headlines and be touted as the next big thing in the game. But things aren't that simple, as Blagut, or the Blue Yellow as their nickname goes, who have proudly held an average standing as fifth in the world since rankings began, enter France 2019, ranked ninth on the back of inconsistent form in the lead up to the tournament, who while still starring for her club Montpellier, hasn't found the back of the net for the Swedes since July last year, despite starting matches against lighter weights Austria and South Africa. So whilst getting out of the group shouldn't be too hard, going as far as they did in 91, 2003 and 2011, we'll need the stars of tomorrow back to their winning ways today. But when it comes to Sweden, here's why it really matters. Inside, Inside school. school. Due to their perennial dominance on the pitch that has made them the team to beat, the United States has built some impressive foes. The battle for Olympic gold with China in the 90s, the battle for World Cup gold with Germany in the mid-2000s, the battle of North America with a constantly improving Canada, and of course, recently, Japan, their opponents in the previous two World Cup finals. But in all those examples, the tension comes from the opponents who so often come off second best when they face the Americans. And that's perhaps why and how Sweden's rivalry with the US women's national team has become the most heated rivalry in the international game, where the United States consistently struggle to find the better of the Swedes whenever they meet. Having somehow found each other as group opponents at the past four World Cups in a row, a rivalry of some sort was always bound to form. But what no one saw was it coming from a US side, constantly frustrated every four years they met. Despite getting the better of the blog rule in 2003 and 2007, things changed at the turn of the decade as the Swedes took the three points at 2011's World Cup and 2015. But things really went up a notch following the Swedes' third victory in a row at the Rio Olympic quarterfinals, where they knocked the USA out on penalties, having held off the famous American attacking threat with a frustratingly defensive game. American keeper Hope Solo, who used an unorthodox tactic of holding up one of the penalties she was set to face, claiming she needed a change of gloves, was scathing after the game, telling the awaiting media, I think we played a bunch of cowards. The best team did not win today. I strongly, firmly believe that. When asked to clarify her comments, Solo reiterated, they didn't want to open play. They didn't want to pass the ball. They didn't want to play great soccer. Before stating, I don't think they're going to make it far in the tournament. I think it was cowardly, but they won. They're moving on and we're going home. Sweden's coach at the time, Pia Sundag, who despite being a former coach of Solo and the US, didn't hold back either, responding to Solo's comments, I don't give a crap, I'm going to Rio and she's going home. Whilst the US Soccer Federation sanctioned Solo for her comments, the Swedish press continued the hostilities, with major sports publication Sportsbladet using a picture of Solo's glove on its entire front page with the caption listing off the results of Team USA's past six Olympic runs. It read as followed, 1996, gold. 2000 silver, 2004 gold, 2008 gold, 2012 gold, 2016, nope, solo. And so it was no surprise when she was proven right, with the two teams drawn to meet on match day two of Group F. This tournament, USA coach Jill Ellis laughed and instantly replied, oh, we will. And whilst both are more than certain to make it comfortably out of the group, there's also no doubt that with nearly two decades of emotion behind this fixture, this matchup has the potential to be arguably the best in the group stage. Copper 90, football inside out. You know what's sad? Go on. We are at the Sweden and US previews. And obviously, 
we held them purposely towards the end uh, or to the end because people would be the most f- familiar with these two teams and they're playing off head to head. But that means we're at the end of the group stages. I know. It's gone actually very quick, even though I have no idea what day it is today. It's, it's a sad thing. Yeah. It's a sad thing that there's the last of the teams will play and then there are people that are leaving this tournament. Yeah. It- After four years of hard work, it's a really like tragic ending but it's the reality of tournament play in sports god yeah i haven't actually thought about that before as in like working up something for a whole four years and then sort of being there for like less than two weeks and then that's it and then going home or like look at a scotland their first world cup so it's not four years they've been working for a long time to build up football to this moment obviously a lot of momentum right now could go to the knockout rounds could also not yeah we have the euros next year too which is exciting in england but isn't it everywhere the Euros. Yeah. Isn't it in multiple countries? But the final's in Wembley, right? Uh, is that correct? It's yeah, like it's a multi-country correct. Euros. Yeah, that's correct. I find that fascinating. Yeah. Only because I, I'm a huge fan of, the, of like the, the hive of people that come into a centralized location and you can capture the essence of like the World's Fair. It's like the thing I've become most excited about for these big tournaments. It's just people from everywhere showing the best versions of the people. I mean, there are like a few bad apples, but showing the best versions of the people from those countries so you can escape from all the mass media and nonsense that everybody has going on in their countries and actually just embrace and 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 spend time with people from other places to just yeah. reset your mentality of what you're being told across all platforms of how messed up these places are and the people and all these types of things of what, what media is doing to the world. Yeah, I think um, we had... How many Chilean fans here the other day? Like two, over 200 or something yeah. at the clubhouse. And they kind of spilled out onto the street and they were singing and dancing and drinking all the beer, which they did a very good job of. Yep. Um, and that was really, really cool to see. And they literally just lost the game. Yeah. And they were just vibes. But there's something about the uniqueness of a World Cup. Yeah. The fans have also been waiting for this, right? Yeah. They've been anticipating this. They get an opportunity to travel and sort of become ambassadors for their country and perhaps haven't traveled uh, that far or with reason to travel. So now here they are. So win or loss, they're getting to interact with people that they may not have otherwise. I mean, especially when you look beyond the, a lot of the first worlds and opportunities that we have, there's a lot of other countries that don't have the opportunities to travel and see other things. And this could be their big trip for the considerable future. Did you ever uh, travel to a World Cup that the team didn't make just to go and watch? Or when was your first World Cup? Um, Last summer. That was your first World Cup? Yeah, first one that I went to. Yeah, I didn't go to... So I was I was playing with the national team around... I'd just broken in for 2006, didn't go to that tournament. 2010, didn't make the final roster. And then 2014, I was still playing and just didn't go yeah, to, yeah. To, uh, to Brazil. Uh, so yeah, 2018 was my first one. And it was an incredible, incredible experience. It was truly why it's like sort of addicting to me to have all these people sort of just spreading love. Yeah. And football, like as big as the tournament is, has so little to do with... Like it's what brings us all here, but it has so little to do with just sort of your lasting experiences because so little of it is about watching the football. It's about actually interacting with people and cultures and all these types of things that we're now going to lose half of the tournament. Yeah, I know. Or yeah. nearly half. I'm excited to see how excited the countries who do stay in it are, though. Especially if some of those countries 
not weren't expecting to get through, but like weren't one of the favorites to get through. Well, a lot of people book tickets for like a four match package. So they'll go to a fourth match, even if their team's not in a fourth match and yeah. they'll just enjoy it. And it's not like they walk around like with their heads down all day long. They're still here enjoying it and spending time uh, partying with people from all over the world. Oh yeah. Yeah. When I went to the opening game, Obviously, I'm an England fan and uh, it was France-Korea, but I almost felt like I was a fan of the French team or a fan of the Korean team. Like every time either the team did something wicked, I was like cheering them on. And you just get lost in that moment. You just forget about actually who you're representing for a second, like deep down, because it's just such a great atmosphere. It's a very different atmosphere to the ones that I'm useful in the UK in in Premier League football. But isn't that like a refreshing feeling of going against all the things you've been taught in club football to like, if you love, then you hate somebody else and all the things and the boundaries that are all built around us with our supporting and, you know, what a fan is and how to declare your worthiness as a fan means that you ultimately have to draw a boundary somewhere. But within a World Cup, you can sort of tear all that down and just buy into the storylines and the people. And you can go to a match with a bunch of Australians and be Australian that day and really, really embrace yeah. it if they're not playing your team. And just know that like there is a human connection that sometimes is bigger than like uh, a crest. Yeah. Have you ever watched, have you seen that video recently of uh, Rio Ferdinand watching one of the Champions League games in the box? And like, I think it's maybe the Tottenham game when they come back from uh, Ajax and he just stands up and he's like, football is mad. That's literally the feeling that I get. Like <laughs> yeah. every time something crazy happens, I'm like, this. I love sport. I love sports. Sound like some joke, but it, it's I? just, it's weird that we've talked about a World Cup now for two weeks on this. Yeah. And we're still talking, saying that it's not about the World Cup, right? Like all the things that we're experiencing now, it's the vehicle, but so much of it and yet so little of it has a, a yeah, value. Yeah. It's you know? about everything that goes on around it. It's about all the people that we meet in the clubhouse. We wouldn't have met if it wasn't for this World Cup. We wouldn't be doing this. Uh, it's about experiencing a new country and the culture and learning the word fourchette, which means fork, by the way. Really? Yep. Wow. My you French, my French is uh, getting better. Well, I do day. hope that the clubhouse uh, ha- we see uh, England get a result and some beer, some beer gets yeah. thrown and some singing happens because again. I'm all for that. And that's it. That's all we have for today. Again, another podcast uh, done. Make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you listen to your podcast so you never miss an episode, guys. And if you've enjoyed it, leave us a review. Yes, and uh, subscribe to the daily newsletter that's going out during the tournament. Head to copa90.com slash WC19 and click or tap on Copa90 France Daily to sign up. And uh, get into, I'm stealing this one from you, Monkey. I know, yeah. I, I just want to close this out. I'm in, I'm in rare form right now. <laughs> I am a once-in-a-lifetime. Go for it. <laughs> I'm I support a, you. I'm, I'm a once-in-a-lifetime. What is it? Talent. That's right. Uh, obviously, if I can't remember. And get in touch because we'd love to hear from you. Send us emails and voice notes to footballinsideout at copa90.com. We'd love to share your thoughts on the show and tweet us using the hashtag copa90insideout. That's it from us. We will see you tomorrow. Bye. Football Inside Out by Copa90. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.